Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. Welcome to our weekly Bible study. Every Wednesday, for the past year, we've been looking at and carefully examining all of the parables of Jesus that are found in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, Jesus told these parables, these stories, in order to reveal the mysteries of the kingdom of God. These are the words of red, in red in your Bibles, the words of Jesus. Jesus said that some would understand these parables, uh, but many would not. And that was true in the days of Jesus, but it also is true today. One of the important things to understand, one of the things I teach when I teach these parables, is that these parables typically, we would try to find one meaning, what the true meaning of the parable is. At the same time, all of these parables have, have multiple applications. And the, multi, uh, the applications are, are just great. They're, they give us opportunities to, to how to treat each other, how to be able to, to be concerned about certain things, to be diligent. Um, we saw this particularly when we, we uh, talked about the parable of the Good Samaritan. In this parable, we taught that the Good Samaritan was actually none other than, than Jesus Christ. He was the one that was unlike the priest and the, and the Levite that passed along on the other side. Uh, the priest and the Levite stood for the sacrificial system and, and the law. However, there are many applications that, that come out of these parables, and, and the parable of the Good Samaritan was a, was a great example. Uh, we, we find out how to be a, a good neighbor and encourage us to go out of our way to help strangers and, and people in need. So today we're going to wrap up our study on the parables and we'll begin a brand new study every Wednesday uh, starting next week. Next week we're starting a series called Pondering Prophecy. And we'll have lots of materials since about 25% of the entire Bible is actually prophecy. We'll be focusing on unfulfilled prophecy, and we will also be able to uh, specifically take a look at the events related to the second coming of Jesus. Uh, there'll be lots of opportunities as well to, to talk about current events. So we hope that you join us uh, beginning next week in our study called Pondering Prophecy. So let's begin today with this final parable, and it's called the parable of the sheep and the goats, and it's found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. The context of this parable of the, of the sheep and the goats is that it's one of four parables that is taught by Jesus within a larger discussion or discourse called the Olivet Discourse. The four parables that Jesus tells at this time are the parable of the faithful and wise servants, the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins, the parable of the talents, and then the parable of the sheep and goats, our parable for today. All four of these parables focus on events that happen at the end of days, the end of times, and all associated with this, this general time period. And that is before, during, and after period of, of seven years, a, a, a time of difficult time called Daniel's 70th week. The context is extremely important when we take a look at, at parables, especially these. Otherwise, we can entirely miss uh, the true meaning of the parable. Uh, 
The Olivet Discourse was a response by Jesus to a question that the apostles had when they asked him, um, when they passed by the temple and they brought to Jesus' attention the, the splendor of the temple. Uh, we read this at, at the beginning of, of chapter 24, verse 1. It says, Jesus left the temple and he was walking away with his disciples when they came up to him to call his attention to the, to the buildings. Do you see all these things? He, he asked. Truly, Jesus said, I, I tell you, not one stone will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. And then as Jesus was sitting at the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and they said, Tell us, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? So Jesus responds to these, these questions by the apostles and he tells them a few things and then he, he finishes up with this series of four parables. Jesus' response to these questions included that it would be a time of deception. It would be similar to the days of Noah and the days of Lot. He also said that while no one would know the day or the hour, we would see signs that he described as, as birth pains, uh, as events associated with the end times, these wars, plagues, and famines, and earthquakes begin to happen rapidly and with greater frequency and intensity. So let's read the parable of the sheep and the goats, and then we'll unpack it and see if we can pinpoint the, the who, the what, the where, and the when. So we're in chapter 25 of the, the Gospel of Matthew, beginning in verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And He will set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on His left. Then the King will say to those on His right hand, Come, you blessed of My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick? or in prison and come to you. And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in, naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer to them saying, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So as we begin, let's recognize two things 
that we can say immediately about this parable. The first is that Jesus is giving us a very specific time and a very specific place. This is when Jesus comes in his glory to the earth and he's sitting on his throne. The second thing is that there's a gathering and a judgment. This narrows down the time period. Unlike the parables of the talents, the faithful and wise servants, and the wise and foolish virgins, Jesus uses this last parable, also called the judgment of the nations, to specifically answer the question, what happens after? What happens after the tribulation period? You know, there are many Christians, many scholars, very, very good people, that fail to take the Bible literally. And when it comes to these end time prophecies, they, they very, very quickly get confused. As a result, all of these prophecies, including the prophecies of Daniel, the prophecies regarding the Antichrist, uh, the judgments, they, they all tend to, to run together if they're not taken literally. Uh, since they're, they're not taken literally, the people that teach this end up with a, a, a nondescript heaven, a nondescript afterlife and a nondescript end of times. Now, from my perspective, we don't really need to wonder, however, as there's sufficient biblical evidence of exactly what happens. And this parable fills a gap. It answers a question that many people have, and that what which is, what happens to the people that survive the tribulation? and, and, and what, what's going to happen on earth when, when Jesus returns. The Bible teaches very clearly in the book of Revelation, from Revelation chapter 6 through Revelation chapter 19, that there will be a time of, of tribulation. Jesus said as part of his answer to the apostles, the, the questions that they asked him in, in Matthew 24, Jesus said, for then there will be great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again. This will be a time of, of great wrath, the wrath of God. And because we know that the church is not destined to wrath, the church is not present during this time, during the tribulation. The previous parables describe the time when Jesus comes back for his church, for his bride, and brings the bride back to his father's home. So this parable begins with a second coming of Jesus and the gathering of the nations. Now the word that's used here for nations is the Greek word ethnos from where we get ethnicities. It's talking about the Gentile nations, all of the, all of the people other than the Jews who are called the elect. And it says all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats and he will set the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Jesus is using these words, these words sheep and goats and we'll get back to that in, a, in another minute. Jesus then welcomes the sheep into the kingdom and he, then he describes these random acts of service, the good deeds that were associated with this group both collectively as well as individually. As, as these verses are saying, these, these sayings of Jesus are repeated four times. Let's read it through once and discuss uh, these deeds. It says, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, 
Come, you blessed of my Father. Inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. You know, a few years ago, I had the distinct privilege of working with a large evangelical nonprofit out of Washington, D.C. And this, this nonprofit provided oversight and accreditation to, to Christian organizations. It was an amazing organization as it provided oversight and accreditation to over 2,200 charities, many of whom you recognize. Organizations like the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association and Compassion International, Moody Bible Institute, um, the City Rescue Missions, and, and Salvation Army. I remember speaking to a group of these members that were all involved in, in these types of acts of charity that are described in this, in this parable. These organizations were feeding the hungry. They were providing for the homeless. They were providing safe water in the jungles of Africa and the blighted areas of Asia. They were doing prison work. And Chuck Colson was sitting right in the front row. Uh, these organizations will be the, the first to tell you that you also minister with them through your prayers and your financial gifts and your volunteer efforts. Uh, I use this very parable, Matthew 25, the parable of the sheep and the goats, in, in, my, in my talk with them. I called them my tw uh, Matthew 25 ministries. Uh, they were all involved in this very acts, these charitable works that Jesus is talking about. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. You know, these words of Jesus should, should encourage us. These words give us direction. They give us mission. Remember I said that these parables only have one true meaning, but they have many applications. Look at the applications. We'll never run out of opportunities to be able to give someone a cup of cold water, to be able to provide food and shelter to those in need, to visit and care for the, the least fortunate among us. Now Jesus has separated the sheep from the goats. This is just a metaphor for these two groups of people. And remember the English word for nations uh, is actually the Greek word ethnos, meaning uh, ethnic groups and, and people groups. And in the Bible, the people groups, these nations, are always non-Jewish. They're all, always Gentiles. Jesus speaks to the sheep on the right first. He gives them credit for all of their, their wonderful deeds that they performed. Uh, so admirably, so admirably in fact, that the people that Jesus is giving the credit to are, are incredulous. Uh, they answer in astonishment. They said, Lord, when did we see you? And then they go on and talk about all of these wonderful deeds that they were getting credit for. And they don't remember doing them. Notice in this parable, Jesus said that then the righteous. Jesus calls these, these people, these sheep, the, the righteous. Uh, there, you know, there, in the Bible, there are acts of righteous people and there are righteous acts. In the Bible, uh, when the Bible calls somebody righteous, they're actually do, the Bible's actually calling them much more than just doing righteous acts. It's attributing to them something much more meaningful than just 
credit for doing good deeds. The Bible actually says that all of the righteous acts are actually like filthy rags. And that is true for all of those that are not righteous individuals. That brings us back to this concept of the sheep and the goat. The word sheep is actually noted many, many times in, in the Bible. Jesus often refers to his followers as sheep. And he says of himself, I am the good shepherd. And he says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's John 10 verse 11. In the 10th chapter of John, Jesus mentioned his sheep 15 times, including verse 27 where Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they, and they follow me. So, so who are these sheep that are gathered together in Matthew 25? Well, these are the Gentile nations, the people that went through the seven years of tribulation and survived. As I mentioned before, Jesus said that this tribulation period will be a time of, of great distress, unequal from the beginning of the world until now. Let me tell you, my friends, you do not want to be around during the tribulation. The trouble actually begins in chapter 6 in the book of Revelation. Um, it starts with what's known as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. It's in Revelation chapter 6 verses 7 and 8. It says, When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the four living creatures say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his rider's name was Death. And Hades followed him, and they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. And this is just the beginning of the trouble in the book of Revelation. In this fourth seal, 25% of the entire population of the earth is killed. Based on today's population, that's about 1.8 billion people. It really depends on how many Christians are, are taken out. After chapter 6, we're told not only of the wars and the killings, but then Satan comes down from heaven and inhabits a man we know as the Antichrist. In the book of Revelation, he's not called by that name. He's actually just called the Beast. And, he, and we're told that his number is 666. We re read that many of the new believers during the tribulation are martyred. And we see them afterwards in heaven. Many of those who don't take the mark of the beast are killed. And then, of course, there's this, this final battle, this battle of Armageddon, when all the armies of the earth are, are destroyed, when Jesus returns. Now, as I go through these horrific details, we should all be reminded that all of us, all of us who call on the name of the Lord and put our faith and trust in Jesus, none of us will have to endure any of these trials. The Bible says that we're not appointed unto wrath. Now, getting back into this time period, the tribulation, by the end of the tribulation, there will still be many that will still be alive. This is the situation we have here when the Lord brings the nations, the people together, and he separates the sheep from the goats. Jesus addresses the sheep first. And right from the very beginning, he says that he has a reward for them. These are those that have endured to the end. They've not taken the mark of the beast. They have not worshipped the Antichrist. Jesus calls them his sheep. And he calls them righteous. Notice at the very beginning, he gives them the reward. He says, come, you blessed of my father. 
inherit the kingdom prepared from you for you from the foundation of the world you know this is something that they inherit it's not earned it's not something they've worked for when you inherit something you inherit something because of whose you are their righteous acts that they performed in giving water uh, to the thirsty and food to the hungry and clothing to the naked and visiting the sick these are a natural result of their of their righteousness during the tribulation they've been pursued and persecuted and publicly mistreated however they have endured and they'll be going into the millennial the thousand year reign with Jesus it says Jesus will reign for a thousand years and he'll rule as the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings and he'll rule from rule from his throne and that throne will be the seat of David in Israel those that enter into this millennial reign these righteous sheep will have the opportunity to live a, a long long time but they're they're still mortal the prophet Isaiah in speaking of this time said he who dies at a hundred will be thought of as a mere child now if these sheep if these people that enter into the millennial reign if they have children and they're still able to have children and grandchildren if these children obey God they will know God and they also will be rewarded they have every opportunity Satan will be bound at that time and Satan will not be able to deceive people as a result not until the very end of the millennium millennium so let's now turn our attention from the sheep to the goats completely different story with the goats Jesus begins this time with their judgment Jesus says then he will say to those on his left the goats he'll say depart from me you cursed into this everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels then Jesus goes through these same acts of charity he says for I was hungry and you gave me no food I was thirsty and you gave me no drink I was a stranger you did not take me in. I was naked and you did not clothe me I was sick and in prison and you did not come to me so who are these goats based on everything we read in prophecy and specifically in the book of Revelation these are those that most likely have taken the mark of the beast they've worshiped the Antichrist and they've never considered coming to believe in in Jesus they instead worship the Antichrist um, these are those that are spoken of in the sixth chapter of the book of Revelation it says then the kings of the earth the nobles the commanders the rich the mighty and every slave and free man hid in the caves and among the rocks and the mountains and they said to the mountains and to the rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of the one seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb for the great day of their wrath has come and who is able to withstand it and these goats they know exactly who it is that is judging the earth they know and say that it's the the wrath of God yet the Bible says that they refuse to repent of their murders their idolatry and their witchcraft Jesus said this time would be a time of, of great deception and the goats have are those that have believed the lie during the great deception of the tribulation we will have a, a one-world government with the Antichrist in charge and a one-world religion headed up by the false prophet they are deceived 
and they believe that by persecuting the Jews as well as the believers in Jesus, the sheep, those that listen to the shepherd, they're doing something noble. But these people are, are deceived. I'd like you to notice one thing as we wrap this up, the, this grouping of, of, of righteous acts, providing for the hungry and the thirsty, those that are homeless, those that are naked, those that are sick or in prison. The sheep were rewarded as they ministered to any one person. Any one person. And Jesus considered that they ministered directly to him. However, for the goats, the righteous acts were the same, but the judgment was much more severe. If they failed to minister to anyone, they were judged to have failed to minister to Jesus. You know, when God receives the believer, he declares the believer to be righteous, not because of any works, but because of God's grace through faith. That's how we are all saved. However, when we're saved, every charitable act is noted and we're rewarded for all of the good that we do. We're not punished for any failure because failure is actually sin and we're forgiven of all of our sin. These goats, however, were never saved. They turned away from the grace of God. They embraced the lie. And as a result, there's no reward for them, only punishment. They are judged because they failed to provide help to their fellow men. It was their sin, along with their murders, their idolatries, and their witchcraft that condemned them. There is much that we can learn from this parable. As an object lesson, we want to be caring. We want to provide comfort. We want Jesus to be able to say of us, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was, in, I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. At the same time, you do not have to have any fear. You don't have to worry. If you're a believer, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth that God had raised him from the dead, you're not part of this sheep and this goat gathering. You'll already be with the Lord. You'll have a resurrected body and you'll be with the Lord forever. Now, if you have any, any questions as we come to the end of all of these parables, if you're at all concerned, please let us know. Contact us. Our website's at www.faithdialogue.org. Just go to our website and then click on the connect button and that'll put you in touch with us. Uh, on our website you'll find our video and our audio teachings. If you're watching this on YouTube, do us a favor and not only like the video but also subscribe as well. That provides a great assistance to us. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for this, this parable today. We thank you, Lord, for all of the parables because they provide so You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.